walking to Emmaus and you showed up and you walked with them. And you left, Jesus. And after you left, you, you, you broke bread with them. And then you left. And they realized, their eyes were open. They realized, Lord, that you were with them. And it says, did not, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? As he walked with us by the way and as he opened the scriptures. So Jesus, we just ask that our hearts would begin to burn, God, this morning. That our hearts would be on fire for you, Jesus, as we as you walk with us this morning, Jesus, you are the honored guest in this room. And I thank you that you are walking about in this room by the power of the Holy Spirit and that you are going to open the scriptures for us this morning. What a treasure and a joy to be with our family, God. And I thank you. I pray for a mighty sound to blow through this room as we encounter you this morning. We love you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand to the worship team. Let's go. Don't be, don't be like, oh yeah, you're welcome. Be like, yeah, let's go. You guys are great. So modest, the worship team. They're the best in the world, and they're so modest. I don't know. I don't, whatever. It's a, it's a different problem for a different day. Well, it's good to be with you guys. What's up, my guys from Teen Challenge? Got to give a shout out to my dudes. Let's go. Love hanging out with these guys. They just do more for me than I do for them, but hey, I mean, God is good. Well, it's so good to be with you uh, this morning. It's a good day to be in Buffalo. Hey. Okay, okay, it's church, not talking about football. What's wrong with you? You know, I was watching the game yesterday, and I was like, can we please just go back to being 8-8? Eight and eight? Like, I don't have the emotional energy for this right now. Like, I'll take 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, we'll be done by, like, November. You know, I can just enjoy December. We're out, of the, we're out of the playoff hunt. And now we've got these close, you know, playoff games. I'm like, i got to preach tomorrow, you know. I'm just, like, just trying to run through my sermon at night while like reliving Josh Allen highlights. It's just not a good combo, you know. I didn't sleep that much, but anyways, I am going to use a Buffalo Bills analogy this morning, which I feel like is cheating because it's like easy money. Like, who's not going to get pumped up about a Bills analogy, right? Right? So here we go. I'm going to give you some names. Deion Dawkins, Ike Betger, Mitch Morse, John Feliciano, Darrell Williams. Who are they? The Bills? Huh? Dennis, you are the man. You got that right in first service, too. The Bills offensive line. Okay. We need, we need to know these guys. Come on. Are you praying for our Buffalo Bills or what? All right. The Bills offensive line. What do they, what do they have in common? What do they do? They protect the quarterback. They create space for the quarterback, who is our beloved miracle man. The one and only JA17, Josh Allen, the miracle man, the legend, on a rookie deal still. Don't know how we're going to pay him, but we're thankful that he is bringing wins to Buffalo, New York. They create the offensive line, they create space so that Josh can move around in the pocket and make miracles happen. We're going to read a scripture this morning about, and it's really a story about a guy named Peter who comes to some disciples. But before, 
he can do what he's going to do, before he can make miracles happen, before God moves in revival, he has to kind of throw his weight around a little bit and create some space for God to move. So let's check it out. We're going to be in Acts 9, 36 through 43. If you have a Bible, turn there. We'll have it on the screen as well. What's up, online fam? Hope, hope you all are having a wonderful morning and having revival in your homes. We're going to talk this morning about revival, so I hope you came for something good, um, not something boring. We're going to talk about revival because it's fun and God is in the business of revival. So Acts nine thirty six through 42. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. So she was a disciple. Her name in Greek was Dorcas. It actually means gazelle. So when you think of Tabitha, and, and we're going to go through a couple different figures. You've got Peter, you've got Tabitha, and you've got the widows. I don't know if you saw my sermon title there. Did they have that up? Oh, it's right there. We are the widows. That's my sermon title this morning. We are the widows. We are so tempted, like you'll see in the widows in this passage, to hold on to our rituals and let them take the place of the revival that God wants to do in our life. So pay attention to that theme. We are, we can be like the widows. So there's the widows, there's Tabitha who dies and gets raised to life, and then there's Peter who represents revival. Peter is the leader of the early church. He's literally in the midst of the greatest revival the church has ever known. And he's walking around. He's got a towel and people are being healed as he puts his towel out to the side. He's literally in a place called uh, Lydda, which we'll see in a second, where he's healing other people. And so when they call for Peter, they're really calling for Jesus. They're calling for God. They're calling for revival to happen in our lives. So we've got this clash of these three parties in the scripture. Tabitha was like a gazelle. Her name's gazelle. It literally, when I think of a gazelle, I think of someone who's like always in motion, like always doing something, which is us, which is us as Christians, as disciples, we're just always, we're always doing something, right? We're doing good things, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that. We're doing good deeds and helping the poor. That's, that's so great. There's nothing wrong with doing these things. There's nothing wrong with, with having services and, and rituals and things that we can all participate in, but we don't want to let it get in the way of revival. It says she was always doing good and helping the poor. Next verse. About that time, she became sick and died. Now, wouldn't it be great if it just ended at good, good works, right? But God has more for us. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Now, that word washed is going to be very important in a second. This was, this was kind of like the ritual. Like, when you died, they would wash your body, put it upstairs, and they would prepare you for burial. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. They don't know what to do. They're only doing what they have been trained to do. They're only doing what they know how to do. They're only knowing, doing what they're familiar with. And they, they're reaching out to help. They're reaching out to God. They're appealing to God and they're saying, please come at once. Peter went with them. 
And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. Now this is crazy. It says all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas, Tabitha, had made while she was still with them. There's just this feeling of hopelessness, this feeling of, of, of sadness. And, and, and the widows, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn and put their hopes. So they're just, they're just, they're just handing these, these clothes to Peter and just saying, let's just, let's just remember the good works. Let's just remember the good deeds. Let's remember what Tabitha did in her life. But here comes revival. Here comes Peter. Peter sent them all out of the room. He's throwing his weight around because he is creating space for a miracle to happen. It says, Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. The Lord is telling us as a church this morning, the Lord is telling you as a husband, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter, the Lord is telling our nation, Tabitha, get up. You do not need permission today to believe God for revival. We are those that have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are those that have been saved not by any works, lest any man should boast, but by the grace of God. See, it's God's grace that's chased us down, that's found us in our weakest point, in our lowest point, when we didn't deserve mercy, when we didn't deserve love, when we didn't deserve a father. God, in his sovereignty, chose to be our father. He chose to adopt us as sons and daughters, and we are not like the world. We do not have to ask for permission to do what we do as the church of Jesus Christ. We just go to our Father who is in heaven. We appeal him boldly and we say, God, we believe you've made us for more in our lives. We are going to go after the more that you have for us. Amen. Does somebody believe for God to do more in their life in this room this morning? Hallelujah. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. There's nothing I'm just telling you, there's nothing, there's nothing condemning about this moment. There's nothing harsh about this moment. You know, Peter, it's like he comes in. I'm using the analogy of a big offensive lineman, you know, pushing their weight around. But it's so gentle. It's just so gentle. And this morning, God wants you to know that he is gentle and he is humble in heart. And you can just receive the revival that he has for you. You can receive a miracle today. You can receive restored fellowship with Jesus Christ by his blood today. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. His grace is sufficient for you today. He's calling out to you and he's saying, gently take my hand today. I want you to stand up. And as, as Peter takes her by the hand, it says he helps her to her feet. God wants to help us to our feet this morning. We can carry this message of the, as the church of Jesus Christ, and this is the message we need to be sharing on Facebook and Twitter and wherever we are, that God can help us to our feet. God is still in the business of revival. We don't need to ask him for permission because we are the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. We are going to heaven. Our eternity is secure in his blood, and we have everything to look forward to. We have every promise to claim. We have everything to believe in and hope in this morning. Hallelujah. It says, then he called for the believers, and then he distinguishes the widows, especially the widows. 
And I'm like, dang, that's, that's harsh, man. He calling them out, you know, like, hey, believers. Oh, also, widows, like, y'all was wrong. See, what he was trying to distinguish here is that the, he's trying to show the widows and he's trying to show us what happens when we let ritual take the place of revival in our lives. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. Let's go to the next verse. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed, put their faith in the Lord. What a miracle! What a miracle! So God has this story for us as a gift today. He's calling us back to himself. He's calling us to make space for miracles. See, there's a problem that rituals and revival are both fighting for Tabitha in this passage, and rituals and revival are both fighting for us. Now, don't look at me like, what you talking about rituals? Like, you know, I don't do no, like, sorcery or stuff like that. I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about just going with the flow, going through the motions, doing the things. I'm talking about responding to what's going on in the world in the way that we just think is right without saying, Jesus, I believe there is more. Okay. Could we be like the widows? Let's just ask ourselves that question this morning. Are we letting our rituals get in the way of revival? So why did they get sent to the other room? Two V's, really quick, really simple. Vision and vulnerability. Okay, ritual is not bad on its own, but it can be if it robs us of our vision. See, the, the, the widows and us, we, sometimes we can't see the resurrection. And so we're okay with just clothing and crying. Y'all feel me? You understand what I'm saying? See, in verse 39 it says, All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. They were okay with that being the end result. But once Peter comes, verse 42 says, this became known all over Joppa. Once, once Tabitha was transformed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, once she became a new woman, a new person, her story became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. See, if Peter doesn't come, it's clothing, not souls. It's a small group, not a city. If Peter doesn't come, we never hear about Tabitha. It's only through her resurrection, only through her transformation that we hear about her. How many people on earth have been raised from the dead? How many of you guys have been raised from the dead? Y'all got the right answer. Come on, man. I don't know how many people really, like, physically have been raised from the dead, but hallelujah. Have you? Twice? Let's go. Give the Lord a hand. Come on. Did not expect that when I was putting my notes together. Woo! Okay. How many many people? We don't know. Um, Can you imagine seeing Tabitha? You know, everyone knew, like, people knew Tabitha in her small community. And they were like, great, she's so great. She's the gazelle. She's busy. She's in motion. She's doing all these good things. And then she gets raised from the dead, and the whole word spreads to the whole city. Can you imagine seeing her? You know, someone that's been raised from the dead, I'd be like, whoa, like, 
I got to be careful around you. You got some kind of energy on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to watch my step a little bit. She was a walking miracle. And I want to encourage you guys because you already know the answer, but you are a walking miracle too. You've been raised from death to life. See, you were once dead in your sins and your trespasses, and you are no longer that. You are no longer that. You may still sin. You may still have trespasses. You still may be jacked up as ever, but you are no longer that. Hallelujah. You're a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. And there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The problem is this. Motion, like Tabitha, like she represents motion. Motion without miracles can turn into complacency. Don't go through the motions. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. What if his dreams for us are bigger than we thought? Don't let the rituals And I'm not saying you need to move or go anywhere or do anything different, but don't let what you're doing get in the way of your vision to see God do more in your life. Amen? And number two, ritual had robbed their vulnerability. See, ritual is not bad, but if it robs our vulnerability, it can replace revival. Because they misunderstood God's definition of motion, they were okay washing a dead body. It says that her body was literally washed and placed upstairs. That was the ritual of the day. They washed it. They prepared it for burial. But later it says Peter, he helped her to her feet. This is what they were missing in the story. They were okay just washing the body and calling it a day. God wanted to go inward with Tabitha. The widows were only thinking about the outward. If Peter doesn't come, they miss God's motion. God's motion was designed to go inward and produce transformation in our lives, to produce transformation around us. If we misunderstand God's motion, misunderstand God's motion, it can turn into commotion. That's a good one. Motion without revival can turn into commotion. See, we think planes, stages, microphones are the way. God thinks sanctification of your soul is the way. In reality, it is the motion inward that is the most important. Just because you may not feel like you are in motion, maybe even right now in 2020 and 2021, we've all literally slowed our motion down a little bit. It doesn't mean God is not working revival. Nothing can get in the way of revival. It just may be happening inside of you now so that it can happen around you soon. One of my favorite leadership quotes is this. Leadership starts by blazing a trail into your own heart. I want to read a scripture from later on in Acts. In Acts chapter 19, this is further along in that journey of the church and the biggest revival that we've ever seen. And this literally, this is like giving us a key indicator as like why revival was happening so much in Acts. And maybe it's a clue as to why we don't see revival today. It says in Acts 19, verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. You, you have a story to tell, and you're robbing the world of God's glory if you're not going to share that story. 
When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, in this way, not by planes and microphones and stages, which is, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. Good news is, you don't need that for revival. You can stay right where you are. Hallelujah. That's a good word. Don't leave your church. Stay right where you are. You're welcome, Pastor Josh. Um, This way, in this way, vulnerability, weakness, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. See, the confession of the early believers led to revival. What if we weren't designed to wash ourselves? Hebrews 10.22 says that we can approach God with boldness because our conscience has been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus and our body has been washed. Hallelujah. There's nothing separating us from God. And really, there shouldn't be anything separating us from each other. What if your greatest ministry was hiding in your vulnerability? Revival thrives when humanity is vulnerable. You got that free bird, Craig? You gonna play that free bird or what? All right, let's get something going here. I'm about to read my emotional part. I'm just kidding, bro. We just talked about this. He said he was gonna do like a riff, and then if, this is, if my message was bad, he was just gonna go into a solo for the rest of it. It'd be a nice concert. All right, it says... It says, I wrote this down the other day. See, we are all like the elderly women. We recognize that we are washing dead bodies every day. We have found many ways to cover up our weakness, avoid our problems. Somehow we think it is okay to just pretend. We go through our week doing the things that make us feel significant. We work, we pay the bills, we say hi to our neighbor, we serve at church, we take care of our kids. And the days fly by, our life flies by. And suddenly, we realize that somewhere along the way, we lost track of the radical Christian faith that once mesmerized and captivated us. We forget that we were made for much more. We forget that this has never been about our efforts, our righteousness, our good deeds, our tidiness, our planning, our work. It is and always has been about our faith in God to do more, to make our lives matter for something eternal, to somehow reach into his marvelous glory and participate in the greatest story the world will ever know. When we got saved, we had a moment of great weakness, great vulnerability before God and before others. We surrendered everything. We held nothing back. We tasted the freedom of being nothing so that he could be everything. We acknowledged our weakness and we trusted in his strength and his strength alone. Our heart was overcome by the bliss of being free from our own striving, free from our own self-efforts, from proving ourselves, from covering up our secrets, free from our shame, free to be humbly transformed and to transform the world. And what happened? What happened? Where did our freedom go? We got in motion and we let ritual rob us of our vulnerability. We let ritual rob us of the place and the space where revival thrives. I'm going to close with this. Are you, are you tired today? Are you tired? Are you weary this morning of covering up, of running, of smoothing things over, of washing 
your dead bodies. God wants to raise your dead bodies to life if you would just be vulnerable before him and before other people. Hallelujah. We think our gifting, our efforts, our talents will get us the platform. People don't need another good sermon. People need a God story, an anointing that can only come from real encounter with God. If we could just let ourselves become God's stories, he could do anything. So let's move away from the ritual that is robbing us and let's move into the space of revival he has already made for us today. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, that our weakness and our vulnerability is just an opportunity for you to do more in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that we would claim our rightful place as sons and as daughters, that we would go after revival, God. We would go after the more for our lives, God. Thank you for this gracious time. Thank you for your grace that you've called us out. God, would you give us space to go after you? I thank you, Lord, that we are already washed. There's no shame. There's no condemnation that we can come before you knowing that we're fully free and that we have a powerful story, that we are walking miracles. God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the grace and the strength to share our stories, to impact the world, and to call our nation and the world to the revival that you have. Thank you that you got this, that you hold the stars in your hand and you'll hold our hearts there too. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Put your hand-